We've been doing a series uh, on uh, the power of the cross and dealing with some of the more words. I remember as a new Christian, there were certain words I just didn't really understand. I used to call them the big words of the Bible, you know, like justification, glorification, sanctification. The only vacation I'm thinking about at the moment is holiday vacation. <laughs> but uh, seriously, there's the, I never really got the full understanding of some of those words, so some of those words will be unpacked. But I'm not doing a, one of those words. I'm actually doing one on uh, redemption this morning, which is also important. And I think as we understand and unpack those words, you'll get a, a greater understanding of what Christ has done for us because he's done everything for us. You know, there is power in the cross. Power. The cross for Christians has become the symbol of redemption and liberation because on it, Jesus laid down his life for us. It has become the symbol of God's underlying love for us. When we see that symbol, it brings all sorts of thoughts to mind. There's power in the name of Jesus, power in the cross. You know, it's quite amazing when you think about it that uh, God knew... God knew from the start that uh, how mankind was going to fall and how things were going to plan out. And the great thing is God is always ready for everything. God is not caught by surprise. God doesn't suddenly go, oh my goodness, I didn't expect that. You know? uh, he knows. He knows beforehand. In Psalm 111, verse 6, it says, He has shown his people the power of his works to give to them the inheritance of the nations. The works of his hands are truth and judgment. All his commands are true. Standing fast forever and ever, they are done in truth and unrighteous, uh, uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. That's a quite one in that passage there. He sent redemption. He sent it to us. I remember reading a story just recently of a, a young boy, pretty well-known story, of a young boy, this illustrates this, a young boy who uh, decided to build a little boat, you know, a little toy boat, as some of you may have done, little boys, <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, in a little sailing boat, and they spent a lot of time putting this thing together and getting it all exact and put the mast on there and sprayed it, painted it all, you know, it just... He was so happy with his little boat. He just built this boat. And he says, right, now we're going to sail it. You know, that exciting thing, will it float or will it sink? <laughs> and he went down to the river and he put the boat in the water and uh, just gave it a little shove and it just started floating out a bit as the wind picked it up a bit. But then he hit a strong current and the current started taking it out of his reach. He waded into the water, but it was just gone. It was gone, lost. It was just lost. The boy just gave up hope and a bit, bit disappointed that moment and um, uh, thought that was the end of his boat that he'd made. But anyway, within about a week or so, he was in the city kind of area just walking past the shops and there was a second-hand shop there. And as he walked past, it caught his eye, in the window was this boat. That's my boat. There's my boat. So he was very happy. He went into the shop, picked up the boat starts to walk out with it, and the owner goes, what are you doing? That's my boat. He says, no, 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 you don't understand. This is my boat. I made it. I made this boat. This is mine. Look, here, here, here's where I put the nails in. I, I painted this color. I did all this. This is mine. And the owner says, no, no, Sonny, this is, this is mine. I paid a price for it. It is mine. 
he said, if you want it, it's going to cost you. You have to buy it back. And he showed him the cost of it. Well, the boy didn't have the money. He had to go back home and scrap, scrape everything together that he had, every last cent he had to pay the cost of his own boat. And it says, as he returned, he returned with the right amount of money and asked and bought back the boat. And as he left the store holding the boat close to him, he was heard saying, you're my boat. You're twice my boat. First, you were my boat because I made you, and second, because you're my boat because I bought you. If you ever think that you aren't worth much, and if you think you're cheap, just remember what God thinks of you. He bought you twice. He thinks... Twice, uh, you're twice his. First, you were his because he made you. And second, because on the cross, he paid a price to redeem you. And I thought that was a great illustration with that boat. He made it and he had to buy it back. But, you know, that whole word redeemed has such more meaning to it. I was watching a uh, video with Robert Morris. Pastor Robert Morris is awesome uh, theologian, great stuff. I always enjoy his work. And he was talking about this very word redeemed and um, brought out some of the meanings of the word redeemed because there's several words in the New Testament that describe that, what that means. There's some in the Old Testament as well, but in the uh, Greek, in the New Testament, there's four words. So we're going to go through these four words this morning and have a look at them to what they mean and how that affects us and uh, the outcome of them all. So I'm going to put on my Greek accent <laughs> and attempt to speak it right. The first word is agarazo. I think that's how you pronounce it. Agarazo. <laughs> is that how you'd say that? Agarazo? I think that's how you pronounce it anyway. Agarazo, which means to go to the market. That is by implication to purchase, specifically to redeem, by, you know, redeem something. So the word agarazo was used as the mark in the marketplace for slaves. It was the name used for buying slaves in the marketplace. We see it in the word in Revelations chapter five, verse nine. The chapter this, uh, sorry, the verse there says in Revelations five nine, and they sang a new song, saying, "You are worthy to take the book and open its seals." For you were slain and have redeemed, and that's that word, um, agorazo. You were redeemed from the marketplace of slaves uh, to God by your, by your blood out of every kindred and tongue and people of the nation. Jesus left heaven and entered into the marketplace of slaves. These words actually describe something bigger than what you probably would understand in that. In that time, slaves were sold quite commonly in the marketplace. And it wasn't a pretty sight because, uh, you know, buying a slave, people would look at them thoroughly. You know, they'd walk up like they were animals. You know, they'd open up their mouth, check out their teeth, you know, look, you know, prod them. And sometimes they'd even whip them to see their response, to see if they're tolerant to uh, that kind of thing. They'd make a mockery of them. They would, you know, they would just check them out see how they were, whether they would want to buy them or not. And interestingly enough, as Rob Morris said, you know, the Holy Spirit chose to use this word, agorazo, in this passage because we know in Philippians 
It says that Jesus made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a slave and was made in the likeness of men. A servant or slave. The word comes from the word doulos, which means slave. So he, he stripped himself, came down from heaven, and made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a slave. He became a slave to redeem us. He was beaten, he was scourged and mocked so we could be redeemed. We need to understand what Jesus did this morning and what, what he went through when he came to the earth to redeem us by buying us back. There was a great cost and he paid that cost on the cross. The second word, so the first word is agorazo. Agorazo, as I said, was the marketplace of slaves. Now there's a word that's very similar. It's agorazo with an X in there, so it's ex-agorazo, which means out of the marketplace for slaves. Agorazo means to redeem by payment of a price, to recover the power of another, to ransom, to buy off to purchase a slave, delivering him from his old master. The word agorazo is found in Galatians 3.13, where it says, Christ redeemed, ex agorazo, us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone, having been hanged on a tree. He redeemed us from the curse of the law, his sentence of condemnation and death and the execution of it. He not only became a slave, but got us out of the slave market. He redeemed us out of what it says in Romans uh, chapter 6, where it says, Do you not know that to whom you yield yourselves as slaves for obedience, you are slaves to him who you obey? Whether it is, a sin, uh, whether it is of sin to death or of obedience to righteousness. But thanks be to our God that you were the slaves of sin, but you have been obeyed from the heart that from doctrine to which you were delivered, from the doctrine you've been delivered. Then being made free from sin, you became the slaves of righteousness. So we were slaves to sin, but glory be to God that paid the price so we'd be set free as slaves to sin. We were all sold into sin. Satan ran the auction block and sold us to sin, each one of us under bondage to a sin that we could not break, but only Jesus could break. Some were sold to lust, to anger, unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment, fear, insecurity, addiction. All of us at one time have been a slave to sin. None of us are free from that. You know, we've all sinned, as the scripture says, all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But this morning, the good word and the great message is that Jesus set us free. Amen. Jesus took us out of the slave market so we could never be put on the auction block again. You think of what that cost him. It's an amazing when you, you pull it all apart and think about the cost. Because as I said, God knew the plan from the beginning. God knew we would fail. It wasn't a surprise when uh, we, we turned our back on him. He, he knew that, but, but he wasn't going to give up on us. He sent his son Jesus. That brings us to another Greek word. Let's see how we go with this one. Lutrosis, which is made, uh, refers to the payment of a slave. 
In Hebrews 12, 9, uh, sorry, yeah, 9, 12, sorry, it says, uh, Nor by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered once and for all into the holies, having obtained eternal redemption, which is that word latrosis, for us, the payment of, of slave. He obtained the payment for us. Latrosis can mean a deliverance in the general words in Luke 1.68 and 2.38, but the deeper meaning is redemption from the power of sin, as we see in Hebrews 9.12. comes from two words. The word lu means to release, to loose, and lutro means to release by paying a price, a ransom. When we look back in Genesis, in the beginning, God gave ownership to Adam and Eve. Of course, they listened to the wrong voice and they lost that ownership. So God decides to redeem them back by paying a price. He knew it would be a, a cost because they had get, sold themselves out to uh, the, the devil, handing over control to him, and he had to pay a price to buy it back. You know, when, uh, when we think about that... Uh, it was a big cost, a big price that God had to pay. Have you ever been to an auction? Uh, when s- I've been to a few auctions over my time, and I remember being in this particular auction for a car. I was excited I wanted to buy this car, you know, and I, I knew it was coming up in the auction, and I knew the rough sort of price. I only had a limit. You know, you only got so much money, and you just hope you can get it for that. And um, there was a price to be paid. And I remember standing in the auction, that, you know, the bidder starts off, he goes, I want my bed, I want my bed, you can never understand a word they're saying. <laughs> I think they speak in tongues, I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> and, and, and it was really difficult, and I'm listening, and it's going, what, 10,000, 10,000, 500, 10,500, and I'm just waiting, when do I put my hand up? Because I, I, you know, I don't want to get caught up in paying more than what I could afford. I'm, I'm looking at how much money I've got. And, um, and of course... They're trying to push the price higher because they know people want it. You know, you can see that even when you see the auctions on TV for houses, you see the couple talking, oh, let's squeeze a bit more. We, get, we really want this. And there's the auctioneers going, yes, I'm going to keep going here. I can see they really want this. It's of value and all that. Well, I was like that with this car. So there I am, uh, you know, waiting for that moment to put my hand up. I've never done this before. I'm really kind of a bit worried because I don't know if I have if I'm going to do it at the right time and all this, because it changed very quickly. I see the hand, hand, hand. It kept going up, 200, 300, 400. 500. I go like, oh, my goodness. It was just, it was just crazy. And, uh, and I'm going like, oh, I've just got to jump at the right time. Okay, what do they say? 12, 2, 12, 3, 12, 12, 3 now. It's now 12, it's now 12, 4. It's 12. And, and I'm going, oh, oh, here. You know, I think that's okay. And I put my hand, it goes, 12, 12. And by the time I put my hand up, two had just gone up before me. So it went 2, 3, Four, and I only wanted to go down here. But they jumped in just before, because he went, and there's me, and I go, oh, no. Oh, no, I can't afford that. <laughs> but it, it, the deal was done. And they said, oh, you have to go see uh, the guys at the back and whatever. And uh, fortunately, they said, you haven't met the reserve price. I couldn't afford it. I couldn't afford And they said, look, we'll give you another option. You can go up high. I said, no, that's all I have. I can't afford it. But aren't we lucky that Jesus could pay the price for us? He could afford us. He was the only one that could afford to pay the price for us. He wasn't short. He gave his everything. He gave his all. And Satan knew, knew this. Satan knew how much God wanted us. And it would cost God the biggest price of his life, his only son. The highest price ever paid, paid for you. 
And when you think about that, you go, wow. Because I think sometimes, you know, you put yourself in the place of God and go, would I have done that? You know, those sinners, they deserve it. Everything you get. (laughs) That's how sometimes we could sort of think. But God doesn't think like that. He made you. You're special to, to him. And he was more than wanting to buy you back. And he still is. Nothing has changed with God. He still wants to buy us back. God has a plan for your life. God knows what you're capable of. God knows you better than yourself. Isn't that scary? He knows you more than you know yourself. Uh, Because sometimes we look at ourselves and go, oh my goodness, why did I do that? And God goes, I know why you did it. (laughs) And, uh, you know, he knows us inside out. He knows us better than we know ourselves. But he sees us as something special that he was willing to go to the cross to buy us back. I mean, like I said, if you were in God's place, would you buy someone back that had failed him, sinned against him, turned their back on him, and yet he still decided to do that? That's, that's kind of crazy, isn't it? Like how we think. Because we think if somebody's ripped us off or something, well, we're not, don't even do them, you know? It's like, no, no, you've, you've done the, the deed. And I, but there's God. He, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He extended his love, showed us how much he cares how much he loved us by dying on the cross. You know, we, we've just gone through Easter and we explained a lot of that stuff. You know, Jesus sweated before the cross. He sweated in his prayer time, drops of blood. And they said, you know, for that to happen, you'd have to be like so like fearful in, internally, like of knowing what was going on. And yet Jesus did that. He knew that was going to happen. He knew that what he was lining himself up for, but he said, Father, not my will, but your will be done. Your will be done. So he knew there was a great cost to be paid, but he was willing to pay it at all costs, his biggest cost, his life. So um, Satan knew there was a big cost and, uh, and how much God wants us, and he knew he would get Jesus to pay it. Uh, that brings us to the fourth word. Yeah, we say this one, apolutrosis. Have you got that on there? Yeah, apolutrosis. Once again, it's using the word latrosis, but putting a word in front, uh, apo, which means to return to its original state. The full payment of a slave's freedom. So when they paid for the slave, it wasn't just to bring him in to, to buy a slave. So Jesus didn't buy us back just to become his slave. He brought us back to give us our freedom, to give us our freedom, for as in Christ we have freedom. So it wasn't a case of like, oh, I bought you as a slave, now you're my slave, even though we are technically in, in understanding that. But he bought us for the purpose of freedom, never to be a slave again. As it says in Galatians 4, 7, so that you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, also an heir of God through Christ. Jesus took you from being a slave back into your rightful place of being a son. You were never deemed, you were never supposed to be a slave to sin. You were never supposed to be. That was Adam and Eve, and perhaps when we get to heaven, we need to have a chat to those guys. You? <laughs> I say, well, what, what, look what you, do, you did, you know. Uh, <laughs> what were you thinking? Uh, <laughs> so Jesus paid the full price to buy us back, he paid for everything. 
to bring us back to our original state. And that's how it is. We were called to be sons, not slaves. And uh, if we look right back in the genealogy in Luke, it gives the genealogy from Joseph and it works its way back to uh, Adam. It says this, the last, you know, that's the kind of ones where we kind of switch off and it, Matthew gives a genealogy to so-and-so beget so-and-so and, beget, and you're sort of, yeah, 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 yeah. You just want to get through to the next part. <laughs> But in reading some of that genealogy, you'll get a greater understanding of things. And, and, and as we get to the end of Luke chapter 3, verse 38, just listen to the last few people off. It says, The sons of Enos, the sons of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. See, Adam is listed as the son of God because we are all sons and daughters of God. That's what we were made to be. We are not called to be slaves to sin. Jesus Christ purchased your freedom, so you'll no longer be a slave to sin. Titus 2.11 through to 14 says this, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that having denied ungodliness, worldly lusts, we should live discreetly, righteously, and godly in this present world looking for the blessed hope and the appearance of the glory of the great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity, purify to himself a special people, zealous of good works. On the cross, Jesus accomplished much. But in this verse, in verse 14, it says here, who gave himself for us that he might, might redeem us. Why does it use the word might? Because it's dependent on you. He's done all that he can do, but it's dependent on what you can do as an acceptance of what he has done, that he might redeem you. His heart is to redeem all. God wants to redeem everybody. He wants to see everybody come back into the house of God. He wants to see everybody. Can you imagine tomorrow if everybody took that seriously, even those that once were in church? I will say this. I cannot believe how many people... Uh, that once were in church are no longer in church. You know, what happened there? You met the Savior and now you've disappeared. And it's a scary place to be, you know, that they would, they would go to a place like that. Uh, the churches will be full if everyone returned tomorrow. And my prayer still is that people will have an encounter with God and come back and understand what he's done. You know, I, I don't understand people that had an encounter with God, gave their life to Christ, and they walked for a while, and they're no longer walking again. And you go, what happened? How can you do, turn your back? As I said the other week, what other option is there? You know, what other thing is there out there? If you turn your back on God, what have you got? What is there? There's nothing. There's nothing. And we, we explored this in our connect groups and um, the other week, saying, you know, what, what is there on offer other than God? There is nothing. What, you know, there's life and there's death. What are you going to choose? That's why the Bible says choose. You've got to take this seriously. Choose whom this day you serve. Where is it going to land you up in? And so we need to understand that it, the might is dependent upon you. What will you do as people? What will you do? What decision will you make? Nobody's going to make the decision for you. I can't make the decision for you. I can lead you, but as I say, you can't. Was it, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. You can present the gospel message, but you can't make someone be saved. Uh, they have to actually want to. They have to admit they need a saviour. 
and that's a part of the redeeming process, you need to know that you need to be redeemed. You need to be redeemed. We all need to be redeemed. We all fall, fell short of the glory of God. He gave himself that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purified himself as special people. See, a special people. You're a special people. I mean, that's in a good sense. I mean, sometimes I get, oh, you're all special. <laughs> but we understand it. In, in being redeemed, we've been redeemed to a whole new life. We've been redeemed to a whole new world. There is benefits in being redeemed. It says in uh, Psalm 103, verse 2 to 4, Bless Jehovah, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. How many times do we forget his benefits? How many times are we in need and we forget to go to him in prayer? We may be short on cash for something and we forget to go to God. You know, I'm telling you, when you start going to God, you'll see his glory revealed. We've been blessed many times. We, we were just saying the other week we uh, went to visit my mum down south and uh, uh, on the way back we decided for some reason to go up to Semaphore and, and Sharon being with me always likes looking at furniture and we end up in a furniture shop two coffee tables later uh, <laughs> we're walking out of the shop and but the thing was the, these tables had just been put on sale that day it was like amazing the discount it was incredible and we just looked at each other favour of God blessings of God you know it's just like that then we went off to another store, 40% off. Yeah, like, oh, this is good. <laughs> this is good. Because normally I, I avoid those shops, you know, and if Sharon wants to go, I might just pat her down first, check she's got no credit cards on her, <laughs> and uh, make sure it's all safe. And, uh, but, you know, that's God. That's God. That's the favor of God. Last night, a few of us were out uh, celebrating a 10th anniversary of a friend of ours, a winery, and uh, they had a door prize thing, and... Uh, I got second prize, <laughs> a $200 uh, voucher for a holiday thing. So I thought, yeah, pretty good. I thought, oh, that's good. There's God. There's, there's God. So there are benefits. There is benefits. If you follow his word, this is, this is where people get it wrong. They only follow bits of his word, and they want the results. As I was saying to a young man the other day, I said, if you're, if you're living is right, your procedure is right, the product will be right. When you're talking in the manufacturing plant, I remember one big boss turning up to this factory one time and all the people were all worried, the boss is here, the boss is here, he's come to check out the factory. And, uh, you know, so the leading hands races over to meet the boss and says, look, let, let me show you how we do all this. Let me show you, you know, let me show you. Uh, he says, I don't need to see all that. If I know your procedure's right, the product will be right. I know the end result if the procedure's right. And it's like that with your life. If you are right with Christ and you are living that life, it will result in, in benefits. It will result in the right way of living. But some of us pick up certain things. We, it's like lucky dip for some. They just go, I'll pull out this one today. I'll do this. But we're called to the whole gospel. It's not part gospel. So you'll live your life. That's why Paul says, no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. That means you are dead to self. So stop picking up those old habits. Stop picking up those old things. You are a new creation in him. That means you have been transformed. You have been redeemed, paid for by a price in Christ. 
So bless Jehovah, O my soul, and forget all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities. Here's the benefits. He forgives all your sins, all your iniquities. Another benefit, he heals all your diseases. He's the one that can um, cast off sickness. He can heal you. And in verse 4, it says, he's the one who redeems. There's that word again, redeems, paid back your life from ruin. Because that's where we're all going. We're all on the pathway to destruction. But Jesus stepped in and redeemed us, paid us back, bought us back so we wouldn't be a slave to sin anymore. He, bought, he went into the marketplace and bought us back and set us free. Who redeems your life from ruin, who crowns you with love and kindness and tender mercies. Who wouldn't want that? Jesus paid the ultimate price for you and I. He redeemed us at a cost that wasn't gold and silver, but it was own precious blood that was shed on the cross. No greater payment could there be made. No greater pa- payment could, well, no payment could have actually uh, made the requirements needed to make us right with God. But Jesus did it all. Jesus did everything for us. And that's why we need to remember these things. We quite often forget what he has done. You know, Easter comes and goes, and it's almost all in the background now. But every day should be like an Easter day. He is risen. He is risen. He's paid the price for my sin. I'm alive because of him. I'm a changed person because of him. I'm going to live a different day today because of him. I know what his word, I read his word in the morning, and it directs my path because of him. Everything I do is because of him. I'm here today because of him. I serve because of him. Everything I do is because of him. It's not because of anything else. You know, I've seen people come to church because of them. I want a platform. I want to get up there. I want to speak. I want to look good. I want to, I want to whatever. They just want to, it's because of them. But it's not about you. It's about him. And when the church understands that, it's all about him. It's always been about him. It's not about you. You have a different focus and you'll see it play out in a different way. He paid the price. He paid the price. Anyone that is in Christ is a new creation because he paid the price. He redeemed you at his cost. So we should be grateful this morning of that. And we should be thankful every day and remember what he did, not just wait until every year Easter time. Amen. I just want you to close your eyes this morning as we come to a close. Just, let's just take a minute to reflect on that. <clears throat> you were once a slave, slave to sin, slave to death. And there was no way of breaking free from that. And God knew that. He knew there was only one way. That was to buy back which Satan had taken. But it came at the cost of his son. To redeem us, it means he paid a cost. He brought us back from slavery and made us sons of God, sons and daughters of God. But to be redeemed, we need to acknowledge that we need to be redeemed. For as many as those receive Him, it says in 1 John 12, He gives them the right to become children of God, all those that call upon His name, believe on His name. So 
So it requires a response this morning from each one of us. If we want to have Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, it requires us to say yes to Jesus, no to sin. So I wonder in this place right now, with every head bowed, eye closed, whether you've made that decision ever to receive Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. If you, if you now perhaps have understood for the first time what He did, that He redeemed you, He thought you were worthy. You may have had people in your life saying you're a nothing. You'll never amount to anything. But I'm telling you, that's not how Jesus sees you. You are special in His sight. He paid and proved that by laying down His life. For no greater love has one than to lay down His life for another. Jesus laid down His life for you, for you this morning. But it says, for as many as receive Him. So that's something we have to do. We have to receive. We have to acknowledge that we are sinners and that we need a Savior. We need to be redeemed this morning. And if that's you this morning, if if you want to acknowledge Jesus Christ and receive Him as your Lord and Savior, wherever you are, just raise your hand and I'll see that hand, see that hand, see that hands. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Because that is the first place, starting with knowing that you need help. You can't do this on your own. None of us can. So we're going to invite Jesus into our life today as we do at the end of the service every week because we don't want to miss anybody, but we also want to help everybody by encouraging them through a prayer of salvation. So if you just follow me with these words as I speak them, what we call sinner's prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose again from the dead. I turn now from my sins and invite you to come into my life to be my Lord and Saviour. I thank you now. Amen.